It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is Tom Denny, former founding member of A Day to Remember. If you haven't been keeping up with what Tom Denny has been up to, fret not. We dive deep in this conversation, uh, starting all the way with the very beginning of what A Day to Remember was and how it kind of came to be with Tom being one of the founding members and songwriters of the band. It's always kind of interested me to kind of learn a little bit more about the process of how that band came to be and got their sound that you know everyone emulated after the fact. And I definitely was aware that Tom had uh, stepped aside from music as far as being a performer and was doing producing and songwriting and so forth. But that also seemed very, very short-lived. And so it was kind of interesting to reach out to Tom and try to set up this conversation and just kind of find out what he's been up to because he's not very active on social media. And one of the posts that you'll hear about me bringing up in this podcast is what spurred me to set up this conversation. And I must say, Tom couldn't have been nicer. We instantly clicked, which always makes these podcasts so much easier. It's just kind of having that rapport built immediately and just kind of feeling like you're, you're long-lost friends with some of these people. And Tom says some wild shit. It, it's very brutally honest and just vulnerable, and I love it. And I love him for being that person on this podcast, I think. It's going to give you great insight as to who he is and what he's gone through and and how, in spite of him changing the medium that he wants to be successful in, whether it be music from songwriting to producing to, you know, all these other things, that he still has that hard work and determination that allows him to succeed in all these various endeavors that he's gone through. And uh, the dude's lived a life, that's, that's for sure, and has some crazy stories involving everything that he's been in. And I'm really looking forward to having this chat get out finally and having people, fans of his, fans of A Day to Remember, just kind of people like myself who wanted to know what happened to him and where he's been and what he's been doing and what we can expect from him. And I think this conversation, while lengthy, will explain all of that. So I'm going to keep this intro really short and get to my conversation with Tom Denny, formerly of A Day to Remember. very easygoing person it's very easy to talk to of course at the same time i can get very uh you know i have my business mind and it's very serious because you know a lot of things have happened in my life and happened to me and i've been involved with a lot of, of, of things that have, have trained me to not um I don't know, keep my eye open, keep my ear open, and, and, and we'll, we'll make sure that business part of me is always present. Um, I know this isn't really talking about the, I'm not talking about the interview per se, I'm just saying in general. So um, I'm down for whatever though. So if you want to like ask uh, 
questions just like you're interviewing me or you just want to talk about things i'm i'm down for whatever bro <laughs> i guess i'll just kind of throw throw things out because i mean one of the things that like as you were just kind of saying and so i mean you were just kind of like you know as i just kind of was saying like you know you went from kind of pre like you went and did one thing which was the band thing and a lot of people say like will tell you like oh you you know, you're not going to make it or you're not good enough to, you know, you get a lot of people just right. naysaying shit. So, I mean, the fact that you yep. succeeded in one avenue, then shifted yeah. into another avenue and did, you know, had success there. The idea that, like, you know, it doesn't seem so far-fetched that, like, you know, most people, when you would tell them, like, I'm going to go to L.A., I'm going to move out there, I'm going to write films, I'm going to write, I'm going to make a movie. Most people would yeah. be like, you're fucking crazy, that's not going to happen, like, everyone goes out there to do it. But it's you can sit there and point to, like, well, I did it in this medium, and I had success. I did it in this medium, and I had success. So why would you doubt this? I'm still within the same kind of umbrella of, of entertainment. 400%. So if you think that I'm going to fail, I don't I have a track record that sh proves that I'm not. So like does that give you a little bit more uh a little bit more like ease and kind of more confidence cuz you've already done something like the improbable two other times? That does not that right there does not give me any more confidence because nope. it does not change. That that hasn't changed. The people that the people that uh that doubt in our world still doubt me and everything I do am doing now. Like nobody from from my past, no one from my past, uh, uh, I guess circle or or whatever, or anybody I knew or anybody I didn't know thinks that I'm going to make movies or make movies successfully. They they think it's a, it is. They don't. They probably don't think anything. I've heard the craziest shit. I've heard so many. I mean, people have said to my face, "You're dumb. What are you doing? You're a musician." No, I'm not a musician. That, that ain't me. Like, I'm a fucking artist, and I feel like, I feel like if you're a true artist, and you succeed at being an artist in any any art form, then you're there. You know, you you're. I'm just. I just jumped from one to the next to the next. Like, I'm still. I'm still doing art. You know, I'm still like creating art in my mind. This is just a different medium than, than what I was doing, you know what I'm saying? And in a way bigger industry, you know? It, it's really sad that people that receive so much hate because of something that they genuinely believe in. I have seen people demolish, like, emotionally. It just destroyed them because of what they believed in was different than everybody else. But people don't understand that the only way to truly succeed in this life, especially as an artist, is to be different, is to be completely unique and do something that people haven't done before. And if you're not willing to take that step, then you're not going to go anywhere when you should be concentrating on your own stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, it seems like even, you know, going back to, you know, your time in A Day to Remember, I mean, you guys were making music that wasn't a thing really i mean there was there was pieces of it that were obviously taken from other genres or subgenres and so forth but right. no one really ever married it the way like you guys did at the time and so Absolutely. it's interesting to me that kind of even like kind of going back to what i was just saying that you know you were even in a band that was trying to do something that didn't really exist the way you guys were trying to do it and probably you're being told from the get-go like what the fuck is this? Like you guys, this is terrible. Oh. Like don't even, don't even try. I mean, to the point where you even made a song about it. So I mean, there's yeah, that. <laughs> you don't even know the half of it. I mean, we. I'll put it. I'll put it this way. We got. We got. We sent out. Um, we recorded our first EP. It was uh, 
it was like i think it was five or six tracks off of the first album we ever put out which was and their name was treason yeah we self-released it self-printed it recorded it with andrew wade and um in his parents bedroom or his parents house <laughs> that would have been even more gnarly if it was in their parent his parents bedroom yeah. <laughs> and, it uh, really was where the magic happened yeah exactly <laughs> um no, we so that's where we did it, and we, we sent it out to all every label that existed, and every single label said no, everyone, and except for the last one, which was Victory. All, all the things that I've I've learned over the years, and this is going to be a bold statement, as bad as Victory is, I I don't think they're the devil that everybody makes them out to be. And this is coming from somebody that has been ripped off from Victory Records. Yes, Victory has has not given me the royalties that I'm owed. So, um, but yeah, back to back to your what you originally were speaking about. Yeah, when, when I started a day to remember, this is what happened. This whole thing was an accident. I wanted to be like a uh, you know a version of like brand new mixed with Taking Back Sunday, and then I also wanted to be. I was listening to a lot of Finch at the time. I don't know if you remember that band or not. I actually talked to Nate on this podcast a while ago. Oh, that's tight. Yeah, I wanted to be. I, I've always been a very big fan of them. They were a big influence of mine in the beginning, and and a lot of the reason they never even exists actually, um, because I was listening to them a lot at the time, and I wanted to explore into that heavier world a little more. So I started Data Remember, and um, got quickly got you know the, the members together. Jeremy was my first choice, really. Or actually, Jeremy was my second choice. But I was, the, the, my first choice was, it, he never even, like, practiced with us. I just asked if he wanted to sing for this band I was starting. He couldn't do it. Jeremy was my second. I knew him since he was, like, 13 years old. And um, he was actually dating my, my cousin's best friend. And that's how I met him. And uh, so I called him up and asked him if he would... Uh, you know, come join the band, and he was stoked, and we did, and um, we got together, wrote, realized that we had something interesting, realized there was a dynamic, and, and uh, realized that, like, we clicked writing-wise, artist-wise. You know, a little ways into it, we realized that, you know, half the band, they were, like, hardcore kids, and the other, like, Actually, it might have been me against the band. I'm pretty sure everybody was hardcore kid except for me. I was the only one who wanted to do like pop pop. It was either me or somebody said, "Why don't we just put a breakdown here?" And we were like writing a pop pop song, and so we did, and it sounded crazy, but we did it. And uh, <laughs> um, let's do it now. It's horrible. It doesn't make any sense to me now. I mean, over time, it it it, it developed into something that uh, is what it is now. But in the beginning, it. As, as a songwriter, you know, as an artist now, it definitely was not working. But it did work because I think the music industry and especially that industry needed something like that at that time. I think it was a timing thing because as soon as people started listening to what we were putting out, it was like it was like a contagious virus. I mean, it, it just took over. It took some time to get to that point, but I mean, it, it, it spread pretty fast. I think people were sick of the same old like breakdown hardcore stuff, beat down shit, and I think people were sick of the same old emo screamo shit. And, and when they heard a band that could do both, I think it was like, whoa! I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> it's like 
I didn't know you could do that either. But we did it anyway. <laughs> we had no, um, we had no idea. We had no preconceived notions of what we were going to do or what was going to happen. We just did what we believed in, and that's the only way to make it in my mind. That's the only way I've ever been successful at anything. And the moment that I've ever failed at anything is, is the moment that I've lost that dream, that I've lost that confidence in, in, in the in the thing that I that I truly believe in. Without sounding cliche, you got to make sure you follow your real dreams, like what you really want, not the ones influenced by the, your peers and the people around you, because that's what most people do. Most people are influenced by everything around them, and you cannot. You got to be influenced by yourself, by what's inside of you. That's what makes you so unique. And kind of thinking, you know, thinking back to the time that you were in A Day to Remember, you know, what's interesting to me is thinking about when you guys put out what would become For Those Who Have Heart. And, you know, this is around the time, you know, in the music industry kind of when you were getting a lot of special editions of CDs and so forth. You know, this one comes with a DVD. This one comes with a live CD. This one comes with B-sides. You know, and just trying to, to not necessarily gouge fans, but basically giving fans a lot of different options. Uh, and I, then... think, I think that actually, to be honest with you, I'm pretty sure that the only reason that labels were doing that is because because the uh, the money that they were making was dropping significantly. And they had they were trying to scramble to, to make up for all the loss revenue that, that that they were losing every year so they kept putting out this special edition with this two extra songs and they would ask us to go in and and record these two b-side songs for the for the special release and it would be we would have like two days to do it and it was like no budget and it was like obviously like a they cash were yeah, yeah i feel like all that stuff i don't think that that's the shitty part of the industry and um now I, I don't know if the if the fans are ready to hear that stuff, so I'll leave that up to you. But you know the the, the bad part of the music industry is is it is not doing well. It's doing horrendous money wise. <laughs> right. It's bad. So it's ma it's making people um, turn turn into something that they'd never planned on, and it's making them grab and 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 take anything they can. To, to stay afloat otherwise you're gonna end up like me who a person who i mean i have five gold records and single singles and a platinum single and i've sold millions of records worldwide consistently for 15 years or 10 years however long it was i don't have any money to my name from from the from the music industry like i never did i was always broke and and, uh, you know, it's like, that's the reality of it. It sucks. It's terrible. And, and so I, I couldn't do it anymore. I just, I, I just physically couldn't do it anymore. I wasn't able to pay my bit, my bills, you know, and, uh, it's terrible. It's terrible. That's not insanely surprising on my end, just from having a handful yeah. of friends in the industry. So it's like, I see a lot of the thing plus you know like i was saying in the text that we had you know opening my house to a lot of touring bands it's like there are bands right now that i've had stay at my house that are you know playing in these you know mid-level size clubs and so on yep. and so forth and it's like you know they come crash my house and they're like stoked that they get to shower that night and it's like 
but you're playing yeah. these kind of clubs and you're doing all this and like, yeah, but you know, in order for us to make any kind of money, we got to like not go to hotels. We got to not do like, there's, there's, <clears throat> you know, the only mo way we make money is touring. So we got to be as practical about it as possible. So we actually walk away making money. Um, That's what we, yeah, we did that for the longest time. I mean, you know, data member was not an over overnight success. Like a lot of people believe. Um, well, can we, I, can I we, cut you off right there for just a second? Like put a pin on it. Cause I actually, this is sort of where I was trying to go with what the question I was initially going to ask, which is go for it. Yeah. <clears throat> so when, and actually to piggyback off of the comment you made about, uh, you know, a lot of having to make those B sides for no money, something I ended up learning, uh, when a friend of mine that was in it dies today, when he was like, oh, so we're doing a DVD, but the reason we're doing a DVD is because for every unit sold, it technically counts as two units because there's two discs in that specific packaging. And right. so it's kind of like a, a gimmick to boost your numbers without ha like doing double the sales without really doing it. Same with like, you know, Bon Jovi's getting ready to go on tour I just saw. And it's like for every ticket you buy, you get a, the new album. So therefore, he's already pre-sold basically the number yeah. one record, even though 100. no one no one wants it. Basically, like no one went out and bought it. It just happens to come with your ticket. So there's there's things that people the industry has learned to do to make itself look like it's not doing as bad as it is. And those are some yeah. of the interesting tricks I've learned over the years of having having people on the inside being like, well, this is actually why we're doing this. Um, that's a good but, thing to bring up too, because that's exactly what it is. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's tricks because the industry doesn't want the public to really know that they're failing because once you, once you know that your favorite artist is failing, their sales are dropping, then it's going to give you some kind of, it's going to give you an idea that nobody likes, nobody likes them anymore. And when, when kids believe that, you know, no, nobody thinks that your favorite band is cool anymore then they're not your favorite band anymore and that's just that's just the reality of it <laughs> right <laughs> so but what was also interesting though in thinking back to the beginning of kind of the the rise of a day to remember like when in your time of the being in the band and something that hadn't really been a thing like it is now is right. your cover of since you've been gone like that was really in my opinion one of the first really big like kind of crossover covers that wasn't you know, like just a traditional like cover of like another pop song done by another pop artist or, you know, 20 years later, I'm sampling this thing. Like it was what I call like, you know, I think it was on like one of the first uh, when pop goes punk compilations, like one of the first handful that started yeah. really doing really well. And so I kind of was wondering, you know, just kind of how that came about, because, you know, like I said, like you were one of the first I could really think of that that did that and kind of got success off of it to where by the time it seemed like that single was kind of waning it a gave for those who have heart like second legs and then secondly it seemed like it really gave you a good shot in the arm so when homesick was coming out it seemed like you were really riding still riding the wave of of that song success individually absolutely what happened um with since you've been gone was we, we recorded it after for those who have heart came out just randomly we actually didn't intend to do anything with it however in in the back of our minds and amongst ourselves we obviously wanted it to be on pop goes punk or punk goes pop however the fuck you say it right um, <laughs> we obviously wanted it to be on that compilation but we weren't even aware that they were going to do another one so we just did it for fun for you know just to get gain more hype around the band the label heard it and and they were like man this should have been on the record like holy shit and that's why that got released that that uh the re-release of that album because we they wanted that on the record so bad they threw that in the record uh i think we recorded some other 
a couple demos or something and put it on there. I, I can't really remember, but, but, but I'm pretty sure the idea for, for Since You've Been Gone came from, for one, it came from a couple things. One, uh, at the time, Kelly, Clark, Kelly Clarkson was my favorite artist. I was obsessed <laughs> with that album. I listened to Since You've Been Gone and, and that whole entire record every day. Back to back to back to back to back. I was obsessed with that shit. You know, me me and Jeremy have always been really big fans of Starting Line. Starting Line. Okay. Oh yeah. Yep. The starting the starting line was a big influence on me and Jeremy, and uh, they did that cover on Punko's Pop. For, um, it was that uh, Jaw Rule cover. The, oh yeah. Yep. And, and it was so. The first time I heard it, it was it was just so mind blowing to me. I was like, this is this is incredible. And um, I think I'm not sure if that is what influenced us to do that or not, but I think that may have played a part in it. Still, I mean, it, that stuff wasn't, especially wasn't big for bands like of our genre to do it. But we no. were, and this is how I've always lived my life um, artistically. We we were not the type of band to ask permission, or if if, if that's metaphorically ask permission i'm saying like we just did what we did what we wanted you know like if we wanted to if we wanted to record a song a kelly clarkson song and put it on fucking myspace then we did it and that's exactly what we did and we didn't even tell anybody we just didn't care you know we uh we did it because we wanted to do it it just it caught on a lot bigger than i ever expected it to do you know but at the same time when we, when we were recording it I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. <laughs> is it kind of bittersweet kind of to, to do a song like that that's just something for fun and have that be the thing that kind of gets a lot of people in? Or, I mean, it's kind of like a Trojan horse of sorts where it's like, yeah, it's cool like that everyone you know, it digs this thing that we're doing. But on the flip right. side, I just always kind of wonder, it's like, man, you know, we, we have like two records and nothing really landed. And, you know, now right. we just kind of did this goof off song. And like, now it's, it's whatever, like case in point, like one of a band that I've, I've always thought got shit on because of the cover song they did, which was alien ant farm. But the record that that's on is a flaw. It's a really good fucking record. And they're really oh, good yeah. musicians. Unfortunately Amazing. though, everyone only knows them for that cover of Michael Jackson, smooth criminal. And yeah, it just kind of sucks because it's like, was there any trepidation about like being like, man, I really hope that doesn't happen to us too. From what I re can remember, I'm pretty sure that we were very careful not to let that take over our career. Okay. Um, we knew that that could happen right, because we've seen it happen. But like you said, it's a Trojan horse. I mean, at the same time, it, it, it really did. I think, it, I think that's what really kind of like helped Homesick do what it did because Homesick was a very unexpected thing. Like none yeah. of us expected that to happen. We knew the record was good. Um, I worked so hard on the record. That's why part of the reason I left the band because I just gave my entire fucking existence to that album. I mean, I worked my ass off ass off like i'm telling you man i worked myself fucking crazy me and jeremy were at each other's throats in the back of the bus just like writing and writing and writing and writing writing rewriting and rewriting it's just it, it, it drove me insane and we had no break after that and i just couldn't do it anymore i just could not do it so i left the band and i was like i can't i need a fucking break man and a break was not about to happen because the record i mean it was 
it was fucking huge. I, I didn't know that was going to happen. I just was writing, you know? I always thought of the fans very, very much. We all did. The reason we worked so hard wasn't because we wanted, we wanted to get paid or wanted anything back from anything. We just, we genuinely felt like the fans deserved it because our fans were diehard fans. They showed up to every show, the same people. And, and they were like there, you know, no matter what, thick and thin. And they, um, I don't know, I just felt like they deserved the best. And if I wasn't back there writing, my best work at the time that I wasn't contributing. But at the same time, I feel like that with everything, you know? Like what I'm writing right now, like my movie, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. As an artist, you, it, it, you kind of take on that responsibility. You know, you can either slack off and, and deprive the world of, of what you're truly capable of, or you cannot, and you can give it your everything and, and literally give your life to what you're, what you're doing and put so much into it that it almost kills you. But at least what you're capable of doing that other people may not be is out there for people to enjoy and, and you can possibly maybe even save a life from, from the thing that you created. And I, I think that's a big deal. Yeah. So you kind of had talked about, you know, just working your ass off on this record. And, you know, even to the point of view, you know, at least for, you know, Downfall of Us All, like you were in the video for that, kind of a lot of the promo photos and such. But it seemed like pretty quickly, you know, you, you know, stepped down. How I always find it interesting when, when these kind of things happen, because, you know, when, when a member leaves a band, a lot of the fans that have gotten to know the band and, you know, obviously have their favorites and so forth. It's, yeah. it's kind of a big shift, especially when it's one of the main songwriters. Yeah. So how long, because I don't think I really ever have seen anything that spoke to this level, how long after the record was done, but maybe before it was out, was it already kind of determined like, yeah, guys, like I'm out of here. Like once, once this thing happens, whatever that thing happens to be, uh, was it, you know, cause we talk about the sudden success of the record. And so to me, it's like one of those things where it's like, I feel like if I were in your shoes and I kind of got the feeling like, man, this is going to be a really great record. It's going to take us to this next level. Fuck. Should I just stick it out and just see where this goes? Or like give it another year, like a decent touring push and see, see what I happens. Did, I did the opposite because what happened was I didn't come to the decision that I was going to leave the band or even like feel like I was going to leave until the record was out and I was on our first American tour off of Homesick with, I believe it was us um, co-headlining with Devil Wars Prada. It was a really big tour um, at the time. I mean, obviously not compared to now, but at the time it was, it was the biggest tour I think we'd ever done. And, um, and right away, as soon as we hit the road, I was like, yeah, this is not for me anymore. I'm over this. But when the record came out, I, um, you know, I didn't expect it to do so well I, I, because our, you got to understand the record that we put out beforehand had done 1900 units first week. So I was expecting maybe a couple thousand first week, which was, you know, eh, it was, a, it was decent. It was good enough to, you know, to work. We were playing these like um, these album release shows in Florida and Georgia, and we got the numbers to the first day, which was nine thousand. And I was oh, like, wow. "Holy shit!" And and then I think the first week, uh, I'm correct. I'm probably wrong on the actual number, but it was somewhere between twenty six and thirty thousand first week, which put us like really high up on like the 
the billboard mm-hmm. caught, totally caught 100 or something and it was just a big deal and it was very evident from that that moment that the band was about to be working a lot because yeah. we were a, <laughs> we were a touring band we were a touring band from the beginning that's what we were we we knew that the the the, the single way to become successful and what we were doing is just hit the road and don't stop and we never did we toured so way so way way too much for me i hated tour (laughs) i hated it i mean it was it was miserable for me because you know i I was like i'm like five or six years older than everybody in that band and it's just it's just different it was different for me and i was uh i don't know i never felt like I would truly fit in and that's not anybody's fault. I'm not saying I'm blaming them or myself. It's just, it was what it was because, you know, we had completely different backgrounds and I don't know, it it kind of, it kind of like affected the way, you know, we were on tour. I mean, we were, don't get me wrong. Like everything was all right, but uh, I always felt like the outsider with that band. And I understood why they were, they were younger. They were, they were like, you know, they, they all came from, I'm not going to say rich families, but you know, they all had more than, um, I I come from a very, very poverty stricken, like home. Um, I, I I come from a good, good family, but my parents, they have nothing and I never had anything. So and on top of that, as a, as a kid in school, I was bullied really bad um, most of my life. I, I, you know, I was very, very violently bullied for like majority of my, of my school years. So all that compared to the rest of the band and the rest of the people around me in general, it just, it made me just, I don't know, it might've been my fault, but you know, it made me feel like I was different. It was what it was. When I found out that we were doing so well, I saw that we were about to be on the road for probably the next, um, how long has it been since? I mean, uh, they haven't stopped, you know. Yeah. They, they, they adhere to that touring cycle of, you know, tour yeah. hard for like two years, put out a record, tour for two years, put out a record. And I knew that was going to happen, and it just gave me so much anxiety. I had like multiple breakdowns. I had like panic attack after panic attack which i never had at the time and it, it was fuck, it was driving me nuts i didn't know what to do and uh at the same time i also i met my wife like i was getting married i weighed out my options and i was like the the band is just like not there's no comparison to what i want to do i i absolutely cannot be in this band anymore i don't know a weekend of the tour it just was obvious it wasn't working because it was my energy was just probably so bad and I kind of feel bad <laughs> that I even let it get to that you know I should have manned up but I was a different person back then I, you know back then I was very timid it was, it was, I was a different human um, and I should have just told them from the get-go I wasn't happy but I didn't and I regret that but you know it is what it is yeah so weekend I, uh, we sat down they came to me because it was obvious and asked me what what I wanted to do. I said, I don't want to be in the band anymore. They already knew. Um, And then we talked about my replacement and um, Kevin had already filled in for me before. And I said, definitely Kevin, uh, in my opinion, should replace me if if you guys agree, because I don't know. I said something like that. I'm not going to say that I'm the one that made Kevin, I didn't remember, remember, but 
I'll say that I definitely supported them getting Kevin as my replacement because he was a good dude. I liked him a lot. I trusted him. He was he was um, understanding because they the first thing they asked was, "Are you still going to write with us?" And I said, "Yeah." You know, I was like, "Absolutely, I'll write with you." You know, like you know, I, you're, you're my friends. You know, like bullshit aside, like at the end of the day, I consider you guys my friends, and I will write for you as long as you need me to. And I did. I wrote for that band on every single record, even the last one. And, um, and I never, and I never asked anything. Uh, I just, I just did. I, I was, they, they needed me here. I would show up and, and do it. But just like, you know, just like being in a day to remember, you know, being in the music industry got to me and I couldn't do it anymore, you know? So. So something I've kind of, wondered and kind of slipping into you kind of going more into a songwriter product producer uh the era of that so i've not really i can't really think of many people who started a band were the main songwriter of the band that person decides to leave but still is involved in the songwriting process with that band right so and maybe this is like asking like kind of for two more information maybe than you want to give me, but I've always wondered I'll give it. what does that look like from a from a contractual standpoint? Because like it would seem sort of then with the band still being on victory, then are you a songwriter or are you still looked at as part of the entity that is a day to remember under like the LLC and all that kind of stuff? Um, no. What happened was when I left the band, I was presented with a basically a contract to give up my rights to the LLC of the band yeah so what happened was I started my own company and when I would write for them basically they would I would be writing as a publisher you know as like a as like an outsider but of source so I was not no I wasn't a part of the band anymore technically by any means I was just a writer an outside writer that wrote and owned you know the publishing part of the songs that I wrote okay so I was kind of wondered how all of that shit works because it's like okay like I could see you having like your own ASCAP type thing your own LLC and therefore having you know there's a dude that now is in the Verb Pipes live band now and maybe actually in the band but like he has been in music industry for the last 20 some odd years has had various levels of success, but has his own studio and writes songs for people. And when he was kind of explaining to me one time, like, yeah, you know, X label will come to me and go, okay, we want you to write for this pop person. I think Kelly Clarkson actually was one of them at one point. And he was like, we want a ballad. We want kind of a, you know, a top 40 hit and something else. Like just come to you with like the most generic, like this is what we're looking for. And then you have two weeks to write those three songs and then present us to him. And then he would be like, yeah, so I'd write these songs. They go, okay, so the ballad we don't really like. This other song, we think it's the hit. It's probably going to be the first single we hear potential in it. Uh, We'll buy it off you for, we'll say, $20,000. And then he'll be like, "Uh, you know, actually, I really like it. And uh, yeah, I think I'm going to keep it for myself. And then they're like, we really like it. We really see a strong push for this, blah, blah, blah. 50,000, 60,000, you know, and just give you like astronomical amounts of money to buy the song from you. And then it's done. Like that's, that's what you get. You don't get any pub, you don't get any points, so on and so forth. And when I heard that, I was just kind of like, wow, I didn't understand that 
that there was that side of the industry that I just kind of didn't really understand from a you know songwriting perspective. Um, I so I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> so when I kind of heard that, and you know, kind of following you know what the band was doing with you, was still songwriting for them. It just kind of was like, well, I mean, you're still. I mean, you were a part of the band. It's not like you were an outside songwriter that they were like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna bring in these people to work with you on these on this record." So I just kind of was like, "How did how did that work?" Because then where I kind of was gonna go with it too was, you know, obviously we kind of hit on the the victory issues a little bit, um, and it's no secret that you know victory has had problems with bands and and not paying royalties and you know all that kind of stuff. And the of interesting course. thing to me was, you know, kind of wondering, you know, there's stuff that you were on and involved in as a band person, then there was the stuff that you co-wrote on as, as yes. a songwriter. And right. so it's like when the, when the lawsuit like that happens, it's like, how, how does that affect you? Because you're kind of in it in a really weird, you're tied to it in such a weird way. That's correct. It's a very difficult conversation to have because, you know, uh, trying to word it right. Let's see. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I mean, if there are, I, like, NDAs and all that kind of stuff associated, we, we can kind of move on, and I can ask it in a slightly different way where it's, like, kind of moving to the producer side of everything. You've been in a band. You've been in the songwriting mode. You've been a producer. What's something about the industry from all of those different facets that you've been a part of that maybe you've kind of learned, you know, as you kind of went through this, this multifaceted career within the music industry, what are some of the things that, you know, you kind of learn from each step along the way as a result of some of these, these hardships that you've gone through? Well, I've learned to never quit a band as the main songwriter <laughs> and continue to write with them. <laughs> it is as harsh as that, as that sounds. I have learned to never do that again. Kind of, Going to when you were, you know, you ended up leaving the band and then you end up kind of doing your own production thing and being a producer and songwriting for other bands and so forth. So it, uh, one second, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, so I, I feel like I might have to be careful with what I say, but it, it, in no way is it going to backlash me. So I, I don't want to say names about anybody that, that has, has or hasn't fucked me over or anybody else over. However, I am comfortable with saying I have absolutely been fucked over for everything I've ever done. Anything I've invested a lot of my time and energy Delusia. It really, it really puts puts things into perspective, um, especially when you when you leave the industry. And now, as an outsider, I'm like, wow, holy shit, <laughs> you know, like, and you know, when other people that have done the same, if not less, work than you um are buying million dollar houses you know it really it, it, it kind of fucks with your head you know and there's not much to even do about it you know it's like that's that's the worst part is there's not even a lot you can do you know you can you can give your entire life to something and and work your ass off and give everything toward toward what you're doing and be genuine about it and at the end of the day get nothing in return for it and all you hear back is, is bullshit excuses and lies and and 
that's it. <laughs> I don't know how these people sleep at night, but it's terrible. It's terrible because it's not just me, you know. It's uh, I could get over it, you know. I'm doing I'm doing just fine now, you know. I'm I'm out here doing my own thing, and I'm not going to allow somebody to come in and put knives in my back anymore. That's never going to happen to me again. So I'm happy now, you know. I made it out. However, there was a few years where I was I was rock bottom and I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I was it was it was the worst time of my life. And the, the worst part about it is to hear those people use use that time against me. Like I'm a recovering drug addict openly. I have no problem with admitting it. But I'm like four years clean. You know, I, I'm four years sober. It, it was a uh, Thank you. But it was, but you know, the, the time period when I was hooked on drugs was the worst time period of my life. You know, I've heard people use that against me and try to, or try to use that against me. And it's just, it's just gross. And, but there's a lot of other people that are dealing with this that, that, that don't have, that can't have a, that don't have an opportunity to be, to get out there and like talk about it. And, and, and everyone is so scared of facing the big companies, which bans are companies. Right. It's, it's really sad that, that we've come to that, you know. And, and it's not like me or anybody else is, is wanting any, anything less what we truly deserve, you know. And I've even, this I've gotten to a point to where if I ever get the money that I am rightfully owed, for the time I've given and and the and the songs I've wrote over the past 15 years of my life, if I ever get it, I am donating. I'm donating most of it to charity. I don't even want the money. It's been, it's I'm I'm giving it away. Yeah. Um. There. You know. There's there's there is some reason somewhere why I've never gotten you know royalty checks. I don't know what that reason is or who it comes from, but it does exist. That's really all I can say because I don't know anymore. Right. You know, it's not like it's not like I'm. I have a consistent dialogue with the people that owe me money. I don't. I don't. I can't even talk to them. So, I don't know. I don't regret being a part of what I was a part of. I don't regret writing what I wrote. It really helped me um, get to where I'm at. But sometimes it affects me, like it would affect anyone negatively. Even even though I try not to, I try to push the negativity away. It's it's hard. It eases eases its way in there, you know. And like I've said a million times, I'm not perfect. You know, I've fucked up in my life, and I I'll be the first one to admit it. I've done a lot of shitty things, but it's pretty heavy heavy thing to talk about, to be honest. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's it shouldn't happen. It's two things that kind of come to mind in in what you're saying in regard to all of this as far as the kind of financial underbelly of the music and industry as a whole from being in a as a band person to being a songwriter to being a producer and so forth my mind kind of goes in a few different directions and listening to you kind of talk about your thing where it's like you know you were talking about your sobriety and just you know the fact that you know if you end up giving getting the money then you're going to donate most of it and you know i was just kind of sitting there thinking to myself do you think do you ever think in the time that you know all of this has gone on that it's kind of a blessing in, in disguise that you maybe didn't get access to all this money, like in the throes of your addictions? 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Every day I am blessed that I never got that money. Uh, um, for many reasons. Many, 
being just that. If I if I had got any money, had money, and I spent all of it on drugs. If I had gotten more, I would have kept I would have kept spending, and who knows where I'd be? I might be dead now. And also, the person I am today is is so opposite from the person I was then. I wouldn't have taken that money and used it to help others. You know, that right. wasn't the person I am. I was. I'm not saying I was a selfish prick. Saying that I never thought about others the way I do now. I care a lot about helping helping our society and and doing everything in my power to try and prevent people from from feeling the things that I have felt in my life because no one should have to go through that stuff. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and I just, I want to help people. I really care about everybody now. You know, I used to be a hateful son of a bitch. You know, I was, I mean, this is, this is why I look the way I look. I look the way I look because, because I, I, I hated myself, you know, and I, and I wanted to hide myself. It's, it's sad, you know, when, when you, when I say it like that, but at the same time, I use the good, the good from these things, and I use them to try and do good. I use the way I look to, to easily get acquainted with people that are interested in me, and and I use it to to make people help others. You know, like I, like for instance, anybody on the street that doesn't know me looks at me, and immediately, I'm sure their first thought is, "Who's this fucking criminal? Who's this fucking drug dealer? Who's this whatever he is?" But the moment I start speaking to them, and they and they realize that I'm, you know, I'm not, because you can tell as soon as you start speaking to me that I actually know how to properly speak like a human. You know, I have <laughs> right. some intelligence. I'm not, you know, I'm not a crackhead um, anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I uh, money I have to give to charities uh, to help people. You know, I want to help uh, people in our country that 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 need that need to eat and i'm not just saying this shit this is a promise I'm, i have made like this is it i, I i'm telling you and, and you know there's there's good in everything even the even the bad there's good in everything and you just got to find it and yeah i at times regret getting face tattoos. however if i hadn't got my attitude i don't I, I believe i wouldn't be where i'm at i i'm i really believe that i wouldn't because i feel like looking the way I look while while being the human that I am makes me stand out like a motherfucker and it makes <laughs> it, for some reason it, it attracts people to me instantly and it really does help me and I use that I use it in a good way I'm not a selfish bastard anymore and I will say the music industry made me a selfish bastard and it and it sucks that it does that <laughs> You know, like you can't help it because you got to survive. Right. And the only way to survive is to be a selfish, selfish bastard that doesn't want to share anything with anybody. So Very true. Sing some me. of this you might want to cut out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it's all interesting. I think, I mean, the thing that I enjoy about these is like when people aren't afraid to be honest and open. I find that really refreshing because it's like it gives you, it makes someone more human. And, yeah. And that's the thing There's I feel like we're, <laughs> we're, we're losing that in a lot of things. And everyone wants to tell you how to do something. Absolutely. And so I think like, you know, like kind of wrapping I like back up. More. I think that's very much what you're, you're kind of saying in, in light of everything that you've gone through. 
that you kind of are where you are now because of all the experiences, good or bad, that you've gone through. And for anyone to tell you that any of those experiences are invalid is, is shit. And I, I don't know. Like, I think it's really commendable oh, that yeah. in light of everything, like, you're here to be able to, like, a spokesperson for, you know, against, you know, I, I kind of was throwing my life away to drugs and alcohol and shit. I fucking turned that around. I've done things that people would, you know, pay or do yeah. horrible things to probably get where I was. And let me tell you, it's not all it's cracked up to be. To me, you know, yeah. talking about these things, I think more people need to talk about them so people can see what it's really like and what it really does to people. So to me, you, I, I can totally understand if you want I some agree. of that shit taken out. But to me, I think it really is the more interesting human side of everything that we don't get enough experience and exposure to personally. I, I, mean, I agree. Oh, I agree. And I, I'm not saying... I, to be quite honest, you don't have to take anything out. I give you free reign. I'm just saying I want to make sure I word things right. That's that's all, you know. No, for sure. I, I don't mind. I will. I am definitely the type of person. I am the epitome of of the type of person that does not hold things back. I will be honest about every aspect of my life, anything that's ever happened to me. But at the same time. I don't want to harm somebody else in the process. Yes, I've been fucked over. I'm owed money. But the thing is, if you look at my past, Tom Denny's past, and and you see everything that's happened, from an outsider looking, it's very easy to, to pass judgment and say, um, or to hear something that might not be true and believe it, you know, about myself that, that is bad because... Because I, like I said, I haven't been perfect. I've said a bunch of stupid shit online. I've acted dumb. I've, I've, I've been addicted to drugs. I've, I've, I've done the whole fucking thing. There's the side of it that, that people hear and that people think. And then there's the real side of it. And I, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm in the stage of trying to figure out how to discuss the real side. So let's... Uh, but let's, yes, uh... I, I, I have no problem with not holding anything back. So... So let's uh let's kind of change gears a little bit then. You talk about how you're trying to to figure out your story and kind of how to yeah. how to tell it and all that kind of stuff. And we've been texting uh over the last handful of days or so right. or the last week or so and kind of just talking and kind of getting the rapport. Um yeah. so what you've kind of ended up telling me and two things I kind of want to go down the road of. Hey, you know you've been talking about making film and writing and so forth. Yeah. And something that you kind of were telling me a couple of days ago was that, you know, you're, you're also writing, you know, a book about your life and all this kind of stuff. So yep. what, as someone That's who's, correct. as someone who's never really written a, a book, obviously, or anything like that, but like as someone who is currently in the throes of writing about their life and kind of just looking back on everything, as well as potentially making a movie about said thing. Yeah. What is it? like to be able to look back on your your life like right. that like as you're writing everything like what have you kind of been able to take and gleam over the last you know however long it's taken you to get where you are currently in the process it is not easy i'll tell you that it's it's difficult <laughs> it's it's been it's been a process you know because you know I, i've been open i've been opening up memories that i haven't that I'm waiting for 20 years you know like you know the the band isn't the only tragedy in my life you know there's there's a lot more things that have happened in my life that I'm writing about that have affected me and affected my personality because 
they were harmful, you know, situations to be in, bad things that have happened, people I've lost, you know, like, it's just, and I'm writing about it. My book is very, very open. I'm not holding anything back. I'm telling everything how it is. I don't know how it's going to be perceived, <laughs> um, but it's going to be something, that's for sure, because I'm... Yeah, I'm definitely uh, not holding anything back. I'm telling the truth about everything. So hopefully people are ready for it. But you, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, did you find, like, were you one of those people, like, during, like, shoot, like, music video shoots and such? Like, were you an active part of, like, learning, like, the different, like, cameras and, you know, all that kind of stuff, asking questions? Or Absolutely. Was it, okay. Yeah, I didn't, because some people, like, when they talk about it, they're like, man, I, you know, I did so many music videos and there's so many like things in that regard. Like I could have learned from and saved myself a lot of headaches, but I just didn't take the time to learn, but I didn't know Absolutely. if like the passion for film was there even in, back then to where you're like asking like, okay, like why are you, you know, using this camera or this shot? Like, how are you achieving that or the lighting and, and, you know, just learning more of the technical side of all that stuff, just kind of gaining knowledge. Even I've back always, then. Yeah. I've always been fascinated by it and I never even like stopped to think or ask myself why, you know, I've always been interested in, in that that side of things, and I'm the type of filmmaker that's more hands-on. You know, I I know what a 50 millimeter prime lens or 85 millimeter or 24 millimeter prime lens will do to a shot. I know the emotion, every emotions that camera movement will will create. I learned all this on purpose. You know, like there's there's directors out there that that don't know these things and, and rely on the cinematographer to kind of like do it for them. But I don't believe in that. I believe in if you, if you're, if you're serious about something and you really care, then you should invest all of your time and, and, and learn and learn the craft as a whole, not just a part of it. So I learned everything and I, and I did it. And I made, I made like 25 short films just, just for a learning, just for learning the craft and um, that I would never, I'll never do anything with. I only did it, you know, to so I could put myself on set. Because I was in Florida. There were no film sets there. It's not like California. Right. You know, nobody makes movies in Florida. You know, people, that's, everybody thought it was insane. So I, I just, um, I just did it myself, you know, self-funded short films. I wrote, directed, produced, filmed, edited. I mean, it. I couldn't even find a crew. I mean, it was like friends of mine. So, or actors, you know, it was just dudes I knew, people I knew. Yeah, yeah. I've always been uh, definitely fascinated by that. And I've always been interested somewhat in photography, which has definitely carried over to, to film photography. But my main fascination since I was a kid, that has never changed. My main passion has always been storytelling. Storytelling is everything that I've ever wanted to do, you know. And I think that is a lot. That is a big reason why I was never fully satisfied as a songwriter because the majority of the time I was writing I was working on the music side of it. and I would work with singers and they would work on the the lyrics and this I mean I would look work, work on some lyrics with with certain bands but for the for the most part I got cornered into you know being a music writer which I wasn't happy with because I'm a storyteller by, by by nature you know that's just who I am it really created this void inside of me and I and I didn't know what was wrong and, and, and it it made me depressed and it just sucked and I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me 
until I discovered filmmaking. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. You're telling me I can make movies? Like, I didn't know because <laughs> you grow you grow up in Florida, man. Like, you you know, I, I just assumed Hollywood, it, they are with who they are. I didn't know I could just do it. Like, you know what right. I mean? Like, which you can, you can just do it. That's, a, that's the crazy part, you know? Like, you don't have to fucking, you don't even have to be here. You know, it helps, definitely, definitely helps, but. I mean, if you're good and you and you have the passion and drive and and the years to to give to it, like you, anybody can do it. Anybody can do this. It's 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 not easy, but it's not rocket science. You know, you don't need a degree to make films. You just need to be good at storytelling. Right. And I think and even I never, that you can just probably. I think drive and determination will take you even further than having the skill. A skill you can learn. I think the yeah, drive and, and all that takes you a lot further. I mean, the, this, I mean, you, what you've done in your professional career in all mediums, I think speaks to that. You and know in, what it is? People put a limit on themselves. There's a roof that they feel like they cannot go past. And most people's limit and their roof is very short. And they feel like anything after that, there's no point in trying. Or I wouldn't even know how to try. Or blah, blah, blah. It's like, how about you just give it effort? It's it's really sad to me that that's what our society really believes. They believe that there's a limit on what they're capable of doing when there's not. You can do anything you fucking want. The people out here in Hollywood making these movies are just like me, you, and anybody listening. Like They're the same type of people. The only difference is they didn't take no for an answer and they fucking believed in themselves and they did not stop until they got here and they had fucking drive and they were like fuck it i'm gonna do it i don't care who you are or what you're saying or like who you think like i am or i'm not i'm gonna do it anyway so go fuck yourself i mean that's why you gotta be you can't let other people's other people decide your fate for you because they're going to absolutely and it's not going to be a good one not going to be a good one yeah, you know, I've been down that road. I've been there, and it's 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 tragic when people allow that to happen because you have the same power as everybody else in this world. It doesn't matter if you're born into money or not. You can literally climb that mountain and get up on top and do whatever the fuck you want with it. It's just it just comes down to believing in yourself and knowing what you want. <laughs> um, speaking of of climbing mountains and, and putting in the work, something, you know, that in our our talks, you recently posted on your Instagram just kind of like almost like a you came out of like a self-imposed like blackout media social media wise. And yeah. it was one of those things where, you know, you talked about the relationship with your wife and you know, you mentioned earlier that right around the time of you leaving a day to remember like that you had gotten married. Yeah, And something that I enjoy talking to couples that are still together in light of either the successes or failures, uh, maybe I won't call it a failure, but successes and, um, and uh, trials and tribulations, and, and, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, To see you make a post, you know, in light of what we were saying earlier about, you know, social media life is whatever we want it to be. So the fact that you were like, you know, we... We've been through our ups, we've been through our downs, you're still here, you know, like, and, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, the life that we, you know, are creating for ourselves out here in California. Yeah. How, I mean, to me, that's, that's a thing that, like, as a married person myself, and as someone who, you know, has been with my wife or been married, just, you know, going on, on two years now, but have been together for almost 10, 
that it's like you know i'm i'm more fascinated in, in hearing the story of you know how like what the relationship looks like because you know in a day and age where so many people are willing to quit and throw in the towel whether it be chasing a dream or actually just being in a relationship i i always like to talk to the people who have stuck it out in light of that and kind of learn you know hear their side of things and hear the story because i feel like there's something to take away from that even as well from anybody because everyone's experiences are different oh absolutely uh and this is definitely a topic i i I love talking about because um you know we have been through it all and uh and uh, i'll say that there's a few things that that i that i want to say about this first thing is um, I'm definitely lucky to have a partner in my life that has put up with so much shit and been at the bottom so many times because of me, but still believed in everything that I was doing and saying enough to stick with me and not leave, not leave me behind. And, and, and um, She's the only person in my life that's ever truly believed in me. And I owe everything to her because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exist. And that's a true story. You know, I've been, I've been in some dark places in my life. And uh, um, if she wasn't there in, in those dark places, if she would have given up on me, I can't guarantee that I would exist. And um, so I definitely am lucky very lucky to have somebody that truly, truly cares about me and believes in me and trusts me and, and knows that, you know, people fuck up. It happens. Um, at the same time, I feel like in order to have a, a, a relationship with a really successful marriage, you have to be completely transparent with each other. You know, you have to be willing to, to get to that, that, that level where you know that anything that your partner says or thinks or, or may do by accident or, 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 and I'm not saying heavy shit, but anything, then you know that it wasn't, um, you know that it wasn't, uh, you know, a malicious thing for you. And, but at the same time, if you're at that point, then you're probably never going to have to deal with that because that person isn't ever going to do anything, be, uh, you know, maliciously toward or against you because, you know, you guys naturally like are in each other's minds first. And that's, that's where me and my wife are, you know, we've been, we've been through some bad stuff. Most people go into, into married life, still holding on to some, some things like certain, certain things, whether it be secrets or feelings or, or even fantasies. I know that sounds weird, but, um, I, I feel like, in order to truly like be in sync with each other, you got to let all that stuff go. You got to be willing to trust your partner enough not to judge any part of your existence, any part of your mind. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's when me and my wife finally clicked, I feel because, you know, for the, for, for the longest time, there was something was off, you know, something was off and I, I could, we could never put a finger on it. We didn't even discuss it because that's, you don't talk about that stuff when there is something wrong. And then, you know, the bad time of my life happened and, you know, drugs happened and, you know, uh, all kinds of bad stuff happened. 
other things happen that shouldn't have. And it all literally just came to a crashing halt. And we were at this one, literally with this one moment in, in, in life. I mean, it's this real moment facing each other where she could have picked her shit up, walked out the door and never spoke to me again. And I would have accepted it because I deserved it. But by not like opening up, I keep by, by like, you know, continue to hold things back and lie and, and, and whatever, you know, whatever I was doing. But I didn't. I chose to uh, say, you know what? Fuck it. I love this girl with with every part of my soul. Like this, this she's literally the reason I breathe. And and without her, I, I'm as good as dead. And I know that. So I'm going to tell her every single fucking thing that she doesn't want to hear. So I did. And it changed our marriage. And it made us literally like invincible. I told her everything I've ever felt, thought, or, or wanted or didn't want, ever. Anything I didn't like about her. I mean, I, I was ruthless. And it, it sounds like that, you know, you may th you think at first that that's like, man, that's why would you do that? I did it because that we were in the position where I literally had no other option. You know, I could not, I couldn't have, we couldn't, we wouldn't have survived if I didn't, if I didn't do that. And we both did it. You know, it was a mutual thing because I was like, I'm going to tell you everything I, uh, if you're ready or not, because uh, you deserve it. And I'm sorry. So let's go. You know, and it was very, it was a really hard time, but we got through it and that made us stronger than ever. And, and it's because of that, that um, we are who we are today. It, it's a blessing in disguise. I, I felt like I was losing her. I had a one last dish effort to, to reel her back in. And, and by doing so, I was just, I just let it flow and it, and it worked. And I feel like I should have been doing that from the beginning. And now I really believe that that's, that's the, that's the, um, the cure for, for a marriage that isn't working. It's just be completely honest with each other, you know, cause that's what most people go wrong. Most people aren't honest right. and don't, most people hold things back, whether it's a feeling, a thought, or maybe, maybe it's like. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a lie. Maybe it's something you want or you don't want. A fantasy or not, or uh, you know, like uh, where you live. Like any of that stuff. That all that needs to be discussed and known amongst you. You know, whether you like dwell on it or not, you need to talk about things because that's how. And, and I think that it's like I think that's any relationship, friendships too, which unfortunately I've rarely experienced in my life i've had bad luck with friendships unfortunately <laughs> but but i think it makes oh. you i think in that same situation though i think that it makes you appreciate the ones that you have because it you does. realize that they're oh, real yeah. friendship as you're kind of telling all these stories it's like i again kind of going back to what i said a while ago it's the humanizing thing and, and the thing that a lot of people are afraid to put out there because i think they want it they want to keep up the image that you know everyone thinks they have of of the lifestyle and, and of them yeah, and to me absolutely i would rather kind of take that away and, and kind of like be like no like life sucks and you know what like like i said the fact that you like when your first post back kind of on social media because I, I didn't realize you were gone and then when you said something i kind of looked at the date of the last post and i was like fuck i guess it has been a while yeah. and uh was one of those things where uh 
where I just kind of was like, man, like there's so much, you know, that's been going on. And one of the first things you were talking about is just, you know, that you're, you're glad that your wife has been with you throughout all these things. And to me, it's like, you know, there's probably other things that some people would probably rather see you post about or talk about. But to me, it's like, that's, that's real life. Like at the end of the day, put, put everything aside, like fucking making movies, making music, whatever it's about, you know, your relationships and you need to make those thrive in order to, to have any success or happiness in anything else that you end up doing. Cause I mean, it's, it's really super shallow when you have, you could have everything, but if you don't have the people there that, you know, mean the most to you, then everything is, is, you know, it's shallow and it's not, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's, it's, you can have everything in the world. I've had it, but if you don't have happiness, you don't have anything. I'm telling you, I've felt it. I've been there. And, it's it's that is not just that is not just a cliche thing that people say to say i mean that's that's that that comes from something real and uh a lot of people experience it and um you know i've seen it firsthand too you know i've seen a lot of people um a lot of people around me in my life that that they have everything but but they've, they've burned so many bridges that, that nobody wants to be around them and they're alone and they feel alone and they feel deserted because they put themselves there. And it's like, I would much rather be happy, broke and homeless than, than miserable, rich and, and, and have like everything, you know, right. because I know what it feels like to be truly miserable and truly lost and truly broken and truly sad and truly like, you know, like feel like there's nowhere to go and there's nobody to talk to. And, um, it's not, it's not, not pleasant. It's one of the worst things you could ever possibly imagine. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not looking for any kind of pity. I'm glad I went through it because it made me who I am today. I'm just saying, like, that—that that is not a good, good place to be. And and fame, fame and money is not the answer to to a life of you know that has problems. Like you, you can't fix problems by by getting rich and by by becoming popular or 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 getting more followers on Instagram, like, you know, that stuff won't, it won't help you. It'll just hurt you. And, uh, I wish more people knew that. It's kind of the interesting thing sometimes about doing, you know, having actual conversations with people and and people who have gone through a uh, variety of, you know, things in their life, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent. Um, just i always think it's you know talking with people you know like someone at, like you know like we were joking earlier it's like you see people who look up those net worth things and they're like oh well, this person's worth 10 million dollars like fuck them they don't have problems and it's like <laughs> yeah like first of all that's not that's not <laughs> the reality of things secondly like you know even if it is like sometimes like you you know there's so many you know fucking tropes like you know when you were talking earlier about uh writing your book or whatever and and people you know, you didn't want necessarily people to feel bad for you, or whatever. It's like, and all the things you went through, I was like, you know, isn't that what we love though? Is like seeing someone achieve something, you know, the underdog who makes it, but then maybe also, you know, like Rocky, like Rocky four, yeah, right. Rocky four. It's like, okay, like he mishandled money, lost all these things. So like we kind of hated him because he became the thing that he, you know, fought against. And then, you know, he had to like re acclimate and rebuild his life and therefore now he's the underdog again and we, we root for him so everyone loves to to build up a a, a a hero 
and then villainize them but because yes. we we love the story the redemption story too so i mean to me like that was what was intriguing to me like once i kind of saw that you were now in this new medium on through social media i was like man like there there's kind of like a, a weird and now i know like a five-year chunkish or so where it was like yeah. i don't really know what the fuck you've been doing nobody and, does <laughs> and honestly like when i reached out i was like dude this guy like tom's probably gonna be like fuck this kid fuck this thing like you know i just no kind way. of i just kind of assumed so like when i actually got a reply back and you know like i said like the fact that we've been chatting and, and kind of really getting along really well uh, in such yeah. a short amount of time i was like this is the side of doing this that I really enjoy where it's like I get to ask someone something that I wanted to know for a while, but I also am able to parlay it into things like, you know, talking about marriage advice. It's like, you know, I don't necessarily I don't need to know things about your marriage, but it's like I can respect the fact that you guys have been through a lot more shit than I'll probably ever go through. And you're right. still here. So to me, it's like there's something that I and anyone who listens to this can potentially learn from you having gone through all that. And to me, that's what's you know really interesting about you know this podcast and being able to do this is making friends with people that I've long admired for a multitude of reasons. But then also being able to glean information from them on you know how they got you know success and how you handle it and how you deal with adversities not only in you know a business sense but in you know personal relationships and to me that's what's been really fun about doing this over the last year is just kind of getting to learn from successful people that i've admired whether it be like i said about business or relationships as a whole absolutely and i and i couldn't agree more i feel like um for myself myself like speaking speaking for myself i feel like i don't um I don't know, going through all the things I've been through and experiencing all the things I've, I've experienced and, and the life that I have, that I have, I feel like hogging it, hogging it all to myself. I mean, that's not doing anything for, for the world. Not a lot of people know this, but last Christmas, I, uh, I had emergency surgery. I had to have my gallbladder removed, which isn't really a major surgery, but during the surgery, the surgeon... Uh, sliced open my liver and I bled out and I died on the table for five minutes. Oh shit. Yeah, this is real. And, um, <clears throat> for some reason now I'm not, I, I was never a spiritual person. Um, and I'm not going to go as far as saying that I am, but, um, hearing that when I woke up did something to me internally that I can't explain. And it really, I don't know, it kind of like, it, it gave me a different perspective on everything because if, if they didn't work fast, I wouldn't be here anymore. You know, they worked fast to, to control, to get the bleeding under control and they brought me back and here I am. But if they didn't do that, there'd be no Tom. And, and that's, a, that's a crazy thought because, you know, the, the life that I lived it's, I would never, I would never be able to spread that. I would never be able to tell people like all these things that I've done and all these things that have happened to me. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. Dying really kind of wakes you up. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly uh, it, enough. Yeah. It was a, it was a wild, it was a wild thing. Um, yeah, I was in ICU for like a week. It was bad. I mean, and it was Christmas day. It was terrible. Um, but I made it through. I'm fine now. Um, you know, but yeah, it's just, I feel like it, I don't know. I feel like I, uh, I'm not going to say I, I've been given a second chance, but I feel like I fucked up so much that I should, I should take a second chance and use it, uh, to spread good 
as much as I can. And uh, I don't know. I've been taking so much from the universe that uh, that I feel like it's 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 got to stop. And now I don't know. Um, I feel like it's my time to to do the reverse and, and start giving to the universe instead of take. Like you know, and most people take because that's just what we're programmed to do. We're human beings, you know. We're we're an, we're animals. We're just the smartest ones on on the planet, and <laughs> and we. Uh, we think every every human thinks that the world, you know, revolves around them naturally. You can't help it because you live your life, which is why people are so like put back and surprised by it, by hearing things that don't involve them. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you said a few things earlier about people. I don't remember what it was, but about people thinking certain things, and it made me think of this which is yeah it's people are stuck in their universe when they need to step out and realize that their universe is actually not their universe because it's just one big universe there's not there's not 7.5 billion universes there's one universe that we all share and if we could all just like come together and share it like we're supposed to do instead of take from each other and, and, and try to like make make our universe the, the cooler universe or the best universe or the biggest universe like if we didn't do that and shared it i don't know i feel like the world the world would be better and, and, and like there wouldn't be so much hatred and, and tragedy <laughs> very well spoken i think that's a, a good place to kind of end it um yeah. Yeah. so what uh this is where Plug your socials and kind of give us an idea of uh, what you're kind of going to be up to over the next rest of this year, maybe. Well, as far as social media, I hate it, um, <laughs> as, you can, as you can probably tell. So I don't care if you follow me or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I am uh, working on a film right now that um, hopefully I'll be starting. Uh, hopefully we'll be starting shooting in may which means maybe at the end of the year it, it, you know we'll get a release um it's uh i don't know i'm excited about it i've been working a very 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 long time on it and very hard on it and uh you know i've been going against the grain of life because the grain has definitely been <laughs> facing me so going uphill on this big battle of filmmaking is <laughs> like <laughs> finally, I'm finally here, and I'm finally actually, you know, I don't know. I can't say a lot about it because uh, obvious reasons, you know. Right. But you know, uh, what I can say is it's gonna be it's gonna be good. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, it's not about my life. Um, it's about something else, and it's um, it's it's a crime thriller, and I don't know. It's like. Uh, it's something that I re I'm really passionate about and I really care about. So hopefully, hopefully any of my fans prior will, will enjoy it. I am, however, writing all the music for the movie, um, collaborating with a lot of singers and rappers and, and, and artists. Um, so there will be a soundtrack that I am writing, which is the first thing that I've written in a long time. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone will like it. 
can't wait to to hear it. I know some of the things you've been telling me has me intrigued to at least uh, see how this pans out. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, I I hope so, man. I don't know. It's a lot. It's been a lot of work, and in the book too. Yeah, I'm also working on the book. My my plan is to release the book the same time the movie comes out. That's like probably a not going to happen. Yeah, but it's probably not going to happen because the book is obviously <laughs> taking. A little, it's going to take a long time to write. So don't count on that. Well, I yeah. Look forward to all the endeavors that you're going to be putting out creatively over the next uh, year or so. I appreciate it. And that, yeah, I guess that's really the thing. I'm not really, I'm doing a lot of stuff, you know, and, and you know, there's just a lot that I'm doing now that I, you know, I was kind of like pigeonholed into just writing emo music before. And like now, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm in a place where I can, I'm wide open. I can do anything I want. And, and, and you know, I'm able to do these things because, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to have been blessed with, with the talent of, of, art in general you know i can write i can i can write music i can direct i can i can do all kinds of things and i feel like i, I feel like i've been um depriving myself of, of, do, of doing so so now for, for the first time in my life and i'm in the right place for it i mean i'm i live in studio city across from cbs you know it's i'm in a good spot yeah i uh I think that's that's solid advice and a pretty good spot to end the podcast with, really. <laughs> um, so, you know, always like to uh, have the person plug their socials where people can follow you. I know maybe because you're currently in the throes of writing, uh, may not be super active on everything. But for those who would <laughs> for those who would like to, uh, where can they find you? Um, I don't know uh, Instagram. I don't even know my name, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay i think it's tom denny film okay. something yeah I, I mean I, I social media is the least most most important thing in my life i don't even, like acknowledge it <laughs> well it'll be important when you're done with all your stuff and you gotta promote, yeah. <laughs> promote it yeah. i'll probably just hire someone here because i cannot i can't do it just, right um and then I, I always like to uh end these episodes out with a song what would you like me to end it with I would say uh, the acoustic version of, of "Pardon Me" by Incubus. Okay. Because the you uh, love little that, is, that song's going to be in my movie, but it's a covered version. So, okay. Yeah, that's about as much of the movie as I can give away, but it's going to be in my movie. It's gonna be really epic and, and filmic. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah. Well, uh, thank you for your time, and uh, hopefully hear from you very soon with either the movie or the book or all of the above and absolutely uh, keep track of everything thank you so much man yeah so that was my conversation with tom denny formerly of a day to remember uh as i said in the intro this was a uh pretty interesting conversation that i had with him uh, he definitely opened up about a lot of different stuff uh, i found the really beginning parts of a day to remember uh very interesting as well as just kind of some of the some of the ins and outs of the music industry that he has been a part of and gone through uh, over the years from being in a band, starting a band, getting out of the band as it's taking off into production and songwriting, into now a movie and film and writing. Uh, so I'm looking forward to a lot of the, the projects that Tom has coming up. And hopefully you guys will follow him in those endeavors as well. Um, just I'm still kind of uh, unpacking a lot of the things that Tom said in that conversation. I mean, the fact that the dude died, uh, 
on an operating table, only to be brought back. Um, kind of in conjunction after, you know, sort of getting everything back on track with his wife and, and their relationship. I mean, that's just... Oh, man. There's just so much there um, to kind of unpack. And it's it's... You know, I remember after we got done talking about that and we were talking and have talked since, uh, you know, I've kind of mentioned to him that that's just still crazy. It still boggles my mind. I mean, I mean, you hear of stories like this all the time, you know, oh, so-and-so died and was pronounced dead for a while. I mean, Nikki Six wrote a fucking kickstart my heart, uh, basically about the same thing, like pronounced dead. You know, they kept working on him, finally got him to come back. And, and you know, he's been alive since. Um, just, you know... Think about that for a little bit, honestly. Just think about, like, your life. And if you were to find out upon coming back from a surgery that should have been rather routine or whatever, that, hey, man, you died. You were dead. You were dead for several minutes, and now you're here. Like, I feel like that would just completely change everything. The way you look at everything, like, I mean, how can it not? Um, And I think that's, you know... I think if I would have had this conversation maybe a year or so ago with Tom, I, I don't think I would have had maybe the same conversation. I think it's it's a lot of the things that Tom has gone through in the last handful of years, and most notably, you know, like the last story he told there, I think that's I think that is a catalyst for why the interview, the the conversation we had is the way that it is. It is so open, it is so honest. And uh for that I thank Tom. Uh because he definitely didn't need to be. He didn't need to take this much time to, to tell everything that he did. Um, so very thankful to Tom. And uh, if you would like to keep up with what Tom's doing uh, in his life right now, it's, it's very simple. You can find him on Instagram at Thomas Denny Film Company. That's T-H-O-M-A-S-D-E-N-N-E-Y Film Company. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter at Thomas Denny FC, basically for the same thing. Um, I will say he's not super active on either one. Uh, and I can definitely attest to... Uh, communicating with him over the last uh, couple of weeks to make sure that everything was as he wanted this to be, uh, that he is very, very much uh, in the throes of writing and making stuff for his movie and his book. So um, keep up with him on those socials. I'm sure he's going to be a lot more active once things start rolling. Uh, but if you would like to follow Moshpit Nation, speaking of things rolling, uh, we have been putting out a shitload of reviews. I actually just wrote a review for the Ministry Chelsea Wolf tour that came through. Uh, there are some photos that one of our uh, photographers took some photos to accompany that review. We are doing interviews. We have this podcast. Uh, I hear potentially there might be uh, another thing coming up sort of like this as far as uh, some more audio interviews and so forth so got a lot going on over there if you want to check us out we are at moshpitnation.com you can find us on facebook at moshpitnationwestmi twitter and instagram are simple enough at moshpitnation and if you would like to keep up with me personally and what i'm doing you can find me on facebook instagram and youtube at johnson title podcast you can tweet at me at Johnson Title Pod, and you can email me at johnsontitlepod at gmail.com. The last piece of business before I get out of here, rate, review, subscribe. It has been beaten to death on every fucking podcast you ever have heard and will continue to hear, and it is the same over here. Whether it be Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, I'm working on that, so when that happens, I'll let you know. But however you are listening to this, however you found this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. It greatly helps. You can tell me I fucking suck, that I talk too much, whatever. I don't care. And without your continued support, this doesn't keep happening. So thank you for all the support I've gotten. 
go out there, rate, review, subscribe again. So without further ado, we are going to end this episode as we always do on this podcast with a song. And as you heard Tom say, he wanted me to end it out to Pardon Me, the acoustic version by Incubus. I'm looking forward to seeing how he uses it in this movie that he was talking about. And it sounded like maybe he was alluding to the fact that it was going to be maybe a reimagining or something. So I'm very looking forward to seeing how that pans out. So uh, I've always loved this version of this song, so I'm really happy someone actually picked it. So without further ado, this is Incubus. Pardon me. Talk to you next week. Pardon me while I burst A decade ago, I never thought I would be A 23 on the verge of spontaneous combustion Woe is me, but I guess that it comes With the territory, an ominous landscape Of never-ending calamity I need you to hear I need you to see that I have that I can take an exploding seems like an evident possibility to me. So pardon me while I burst into flames. I've had enough of the world and its people's mindless games. So pardon me while I burst. I was having a look in a book And I saw a picture of a guy right up above his knee I said I can relate Cause lately I've been thinking of combustication As a welcome vacation from The burdens of the planet Earth For gravity, hypocrisy, and the perils of being in 3D But thinking so much differently
is that? Holy shit. Hi, Captain Check. Okay, cool. How you doing? Good. Sorry about that. I've never been here before. You got a pen? Cool. How you doing today? I'm great. Is it? Man, I don't even know what day it is. I'm like writing right now, so I'm in the zone. So I'm, not even, yeah, I'm not even paying attention to the, to the days. There you go. You live in Florida, huh? Oh, I actually just moved here like two weeks ago. Oh, cool. So. Oh, yeah. Different is an understatement. Florida is, <laughs> Florida is uh, it's a horrible place. <laughs> it's terrible. I was going to Connecticut, but I, I was raised in Florida. Oh, Connecticut's a, it's nice. Yeah, I like it up there. New England, that whole area. Well, he said he's an expired until 2026. Yeah. Cool. The biggest thing, the people are nicer here. Way nicer. Really? Oh my God, you have no idea. I could never have a conversation with people in Florida. They just want to talk to you. <laughs> they just want to meth around. Now I write movies. <laughs> so, big change. <laughs> it's it's different. This dude's um, hijacking my interview. It's different and and the same in some aspects, <laughs> but it's definitely better. Yeah. The music industry is collapsing. It's retarded. <laughs> uh, whatever. I don't care. Whatever is easier. <laughs> uh, Sioux City. Yeah, across the street from CBS. I, I love it over there. It's like. Oh, uh, man. The traffic is gnarly. I'm not used to traffic at all, you know. I'm from Central Central Florida. There's nothing. You know, it's just trees. And and all the, all the roads are just square. It's just big blocks. It's a grid. I've noticed, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Can't trust my GPS or nothing. Oh, no, it's just <laughs> that piece that always had uh, time to it. Yeah, it's crazy. You want 20s? Sure, that's, that's fine. Do you guys vouch for these? Yeah, or? I'll give you a cool. I appreciate that. Seven cents, 20, 30, 60, 70, 71, 72, 73, and 74. Perfect. 
Cheers, though. Thank you very much. Right. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. Thanks. You there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I didn't know. You if you, I didn't know if you could hear me. I was like, "This motherfucker's stealing my interview." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard you. Okay. I didn't want to laugh because he didn't. I have my earpiece. In. He didn't I, know. I, I, was I, I figured. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, you you heard him count the money. I wasn't kidding about seventy two dollars. This yeah, is what I get. These are my quote unquote royalties. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah.